Hey everybody, my name is Ryan Polly, and this is the Coffeehouse Questions podcast and part two of my discussion with Brett Kunkel on screens and technology. And it's a full episode, so we're going to jump right back in. And so I know that's another kind of practical tip that you give and I have done and probably, or I did, I followed your wise counsel and... Uh, <laughs> I'm glad to hear that, Ryan. Um, probably, I don't know, two, three years ago uh, when I heard, first heard you say this, and, and I did it then, and I tell you why it's been incredible for me is not having notifications turned on on my phone, except maybe for text messages uh, that you know from family or something, and then maybe like work emails, everything else, all social media, everything else, no, no, no notifications. Uh, can you kind of explain maybe your reasoning behind that? Yeah. So um, the idea is I don't want this thing controlling me. I want to control it. And so when it is constantly calling out to me through notifications, it's really difficult to resist that. A notification that says, oh, this person commented on your Facebook post or your Twitter post or your Instagram post. Those kind of notifications or game notifications or whatever. I mean, it's really hard, especially for a young person who hasn't developed strong habits and, uh, and, and real strong self-control. They can't resist that thing calling out to them. And so the way we framed it for our kids is that, hey, uh, the rule is all notifications off. The only notifications that we can have on are phone and text for the kids, right? We want them to hear those notifications. And for me, I just add one more. It's email. And so I, I actually live by this rule as well. Because I don't want that thing constantly calling out to me. I want to control it. I don't want it to control me. And so that's just one of the rules that we have because I know that if this thing is buzzing every two minutes, it's just going to create a distraction that our, our kids are not, they just don't have the maturity to handle. I mean, a lot of adults don't have the maturity to handle that. And so that's just one of the small rules that we have in place to kind of keep this thing at bay. If I could give another practical thing that we've done that kind of goes along with that as well, yeah. but it's the idea of having screen-free times and screen-free locations in your house. And so, uh, again, this thing is, uh, we don't want it to be a 24-7 kind of deal. We actually want there to be certain hours where it's turned off and put away. So every day, there's a time where uh, and we just have it kind of automatically set up since our older two kids have smartphones. It's automatically set up that it, the whole thing, the whole phone kind of goes to sleep, except for a couple of things like their, you know, like their phone, uh, the phone app part of it, so they can receive calls. But at a certain time, uh, typically 10 o'clock, everything shuts down. They can't use certain apps, you know, and that kind of thing, because we want there to be time that they're not. Uh, dependent upon this thing. There are times in the morning, right? Um, we told our kids, hey, uh, we don't want the, the smartphone to come on before a certain hour. Um, so uh, you've got these screen-free uh, times. And there are, um, and, and sometimes those are not just kind of your daily times, but sometimes those are whole days. So for instance, just in Thanksgiving, we took the family up to um, a cabin up in the mountains to spend Thanksgiving together. We went up on Tuesday, and when we got up to the cabin, we, we asked the kids, the, the two older kids, our teenagers, uh, to take their smartphones and to turn them off for the next uh, three days. And they, they turned them off, so we had three days of just screen-free time where they set those things aside so that we could really focus on the time that we had together as a family. 
Uh, and I was surprised. Some people, uh, a friend of mine recently asked me, well, how did that go? Are they, you know, are they bothered by that? And I was expecting a little resistance, but uh, there actually was zero resistance from my kids because I think we've done a fairly good job of explaining the why, and they've, they've now benefited from taking those breaks. Yeah. And so they were willing to say, okay, yeah, I'll, we'll, we'll do that because we know that there is benefit in this. Um, there's flourishing in, in this rule. And, um, well, I think, I mean, just from, I mean, the practical, uh, I mean, almost testimonial from your son is, you know, I've talked to him and, and, and asked him, you know, how these kind of things have affected him. And, and he's told me that he sees what phones do to a lot of his friends. And then he sees kind of where he's at having these kind of limitations and actually that he really appreciated it. And I think he even said that it was, uh, you know, he almost didn't want a smartphone. Um, and it was, yeah. no, you're driving now, you need GPS, you actually need to get a smartphone. And, and so even just growing up in this system uh, had helped him see the benefit. And he had actually seen the benefit of having these limitations to where when you wanted him to get a smartphone because of him driving, he kind of almost wanted to push back, which is normally the opposite of most kids want yeah. it and it's the parents pushing back. Yeah, I, I definitely got to give my son Mike credit for that on that one because, um, in fact, his his daughter, not his daughter, his sister, <laughs> my daughter, Paige, who is 18 months younger than him, she got a smartphone first. And uh, I remember when she got her smartphone, I was thinking, well, Mike doesn't have a smartphone. So he's, I mean, he's older. He's definitely going to want one. Yeah. And so I asked him, I said, hey, Micah, are you uh, interested in a smartphone? Do you want a smartphone as well? And at that point, before he was driving, he said, no, I, I, I don't think so. Um, I, I see what those things do, and, yeah. and I know the temptations that come with that. And he's like, why would I want that? And yeah. so uh, he had a dumb phone. <laughs> <laughs> it just had a little text pad. And, um, yeah, and eventually it was at, at kind of my request that he get one for, for driving that uh, he got one. Yeah. And, um, so, yeah, so it, it's possible to develop, I think, a real healthy attitude in our kids. You know, look, there's so many families and so many kids – who just go along with the culture yeah. and everyone sees that you see that even the, the families that maybe your church and you see that and you just think, Oh, that's just the norm. Yeah. That's just the norm. And so that's why I kind of offer that out there for parents, not because I'm so great and we've done such a great job, but I want parents to see, Hey, there are other, there are families out there who are battling kind of this, you know, omnipresent screen yeah. and having, there, there's some success that can be had. If we do it, I think in the right way with our kids. Absolutely, and I remember. I mean, when I was in college, and this, you know, this is I don't know my junior senior year, so we're talking two thousand nine ish. The iPhone had just iPhone three had just come out, I think, in two thousand eight. So this is kind of the new kind of smartphone era. I didn't have one at the time, but um, I remember one of my professors in one of my youth, my kind of practical youth ministry classes, uh, asking us how many hours of day is your phone within three feet of your body. And every student in the class went, well, 24 hours. It's my alarm clock. I plug it in at, next to my bed at night. It wakes me up in the morning. It goes in my pocket. It, it's always on me. Like, why, why wouldn't it be? Like, what kind of question is that? And, and even now just looking back at that and thinking, well, how much more, you know, of what you're saying is need, this need to separate. And so now 
my phone gets plugged in out in the kitchen. My wife and I, we don't bring the phone into the bedroom. And again, just this need to go out there. I'll check you when I wake up. And to the best of my ability, and I'm not perfect, is we wake up, we you know have breakfast, hopefully we do some devotions and not go to the phone first. Uh, and that's yeah. a lot easier. And I've said this many times of when your phone is your alarm clock, you wake up and the first thing you do is you see all the notifications on the screen and you go, oh, this is stuff I got to check. Now, if you see it behind me, I have a normal alarm clock right there. And so when the first thing I see when I wake up is not my phone, I don't know what has been you know, going after me. And sometimes I have that curiosity of, I need to go check it. Let me go see what's on it right now. And other times it's, I'm getting better my, at my, you know, uh, you know, as my wife and I talk about these things of, okay, no, let's spend time together. Let's have devotions. Let's do what's actually more important. And then we'll find out what's out there on the phone. So just so important to have that time of separation. Yeah, and that's that's it's kind of that second part. Not only do we have screen-free times, but then we need screen-free locations. Yeah. And so one of our rules uh, for the kids is that the bedroom is a screen-free location. And of course, there's there's there are exceptions to this yeah. at times. Um, but we bought both of our our high schoolers alarm clocks so that they don't use uh, their phone as an alarm clock. We we bought ourselves alarm clocks uh, as well. Um, and, uh, uh, and so you've got screen free locations like the bedroom, the dinner table for us is a screen free location. So the dinner table at home and the dinner table when we're out is that phones never come out. And in fact, at home, uh, you can't even have your phone in your pocket. The phones have to be over charging or on the counter or somewhere else, but we don't even have them at the table with us while we're eating. And if we're out to, to dinner somewhere and I've got my phone in my pocket, that's fine. I just don't take it out when someone calls. Yeah, uh, That's a screen-free location. That's so good. Well, I, I know we're kind of shooting for about an hour or so. We're about, I see, about 45 minutes in. And so I want to kind of transition now. Uh, I think this has been so good. Hopefully it's helpful to those who are listening. Uh, but transition now over to uh, from kind of the practical, how do we handle the screen to the actual content on the screen? And so I know uh, you've you've written uh, the book, The Practical Guide to Culture, which here I think I can pull up here, help everybody see. There it is, The Practical Guide to Culture. Uh, the new book that is just now about to come out is The Youth a Student Guide to Culture. It's actually but, fully out. Oh, it is fully out now. It's out. You can get it on Amazon. Okay, perfect. Um, yeah, so there it is. And hopefully... Um, helping them again, as it kind of talks about here in the subtitle, helping the next generation navigate today's world. Uh, but one thing you talk about is these cultural lies uh, that our culture wants to teach us and tell us of, and we often hear students say this is, hold on, look, it's this is just entertainment. It's not affecting me. This doesn't have any influence on me. It Relax. It's just a movie. It's just a song. It's just whatever. And so how would you maybe respond to these cultural lies of, look, the, the actual content now on the screen it doesn't affect me. It's neutral. Yeah. It's just entertainment. Calm down. Well, what I would do is I would actually uh, kind of break this up into kind of two categories is the content itself, right? And the content is always communicating ideas. So every YouTube video, every tweet, every Instagram post is, is communicating ideas, ideas about life, about, about the, what the good life is, about uh, what's pleasurable, about what's moral, or uh, all of those things. So there's the content side of things, but then the other aspect I think we need to help our kids think through, and we need to think through, is the use of the technology itself. 
So, for instance, the, uh, the, the, the smartphone and technology in general, the screen, whatever it is, these things aren't just neutral. It uh, doesn't mean they're immoral. So, uh, so let's just take the smartphone for instance. It's I wouldn't say it's immoral. Uh, just invert in me uh, in virtue of owning a smartphone, I've I've done some immoral deed. No, that we'd say it's amoral, right? It's it's um, it's neither immoral or moral. But even though we would categorize it that way, we also don't want to to say, well, therefore it's also neutral, meaning. Uh, it doesn't have any impact on me. No, I, I would say that the very use of this thing can have an impact on us. It's not technology is not neutral in the uh, way it can shape us and push us. I, I think the way that I think about it is that technology is constantly moving in a direction. It's moving us in different directions, and we have got to become aware of those directions. So, for instance, I mean, here's here's a way to illustrate this. Um, take movie watching, okay? So, take movie watching on a device like this, like the smartphone, or an iPad, or a computer screen, versus the traditional ways of watching a movie, which was, let's say, going to a movie theater, right? Now, you might be watching the very same movie, but the the user experience is very different in both of those scenarios, one where you go to a, a movie theater and one where you watch it on a device, right? Just, I mean, here, here are a couple of basic observations. Number one, when I go to a movie theater, uh, I'm going to a public place and the movie is going to be put up on a screen and there's going to be multiple viewers at the same time watching this thing. So it's a shared experience. Uh, it's done in public. And just think about the accountability that's built into that, right? Afterwards, I can then, if I, and I typically go to a movie with other people, my family or friends or whoever, so I've had the shared experience, and then afterwards, we might go to dinner or coffee or whatever, and then there might be conversation about the movie and, and, and that kind of thing. So you go from this kind of public shared experience now to watching it on a device with headphones in all by yourself, and now you're isolated watching this so there's no shared experience with anyone else at that those moments it's not public it's private so now you there's a huge loss of kind of accountability right and now you're also isolated those things in and of themselves aren't wrong but what i want to say is that's not neutral a person who is constantly doing that that's pushing them in a direction uh and technology has a huge potential to isolate us from other people in lots of different ways and no wonder so many of our young people are struggling with rates of anxiety and depression and suicidal thoughts uh, like no other generation uh, and so I think those are the two things I'd want to say is that the technology itself and what it can do and how it can shape us that it's not neutral and the content then that's also being communicated through this so there's kind of a Two things that we really have to look out for as uh, as parents and adults who are trying to help kids navigate this. Then there's the content aspect of things. And when it comes to the content, I've kind of taken three categories, kind of the three transcendentals of truth, goodness, and beauty to really help be measurements for my kids. Right? Does this communicate truth? 
Uh, are the messages that are coming through this truthful? So the first thing you got to do is discern what is the message. And so we have to help navigate that with our kids. Uh, and is not only is it true, but is it good? Is it in terms of what it promotes? Is it promoting a true picture of the good life? Is it promoting moral goodness? Uh, these kinds of things. And then also, is it beautiful? Is it well done? Like we don't have to simply sat, uh, be satisfied with, you know, cheesy Christian art or movies because you know, it's got a good message. Yeah. No, we could have a higher standard. The stuff that we should create should be the most beautiful stuff as well as promoting the true and the good. Yeah. And so just very practically how we walk through this with our kids is that we have to analyze the content with them all the time. And so, uh, so for instance, when it comes to music, the way we've done this is, you know, our kids come home, they've heard a you know, friend loves a certain song. They want to get it. They want to download it. They want to, you know, get it through Apple music or whatever. Well, okay. Print out the lyrics. Let's print out the lyrics. Let's read through the lyrics. We don't do this with every single song, but we're trying to help them develop discernment for themselves. So especially early on, let's read through the lyrics together. Let's analyze the message. Let's think through this. Or we take a movie at home and we'll watch a movie together and uh there have been times when we pause it throughout the movie asking kind of worldview questions asking them to analyze it asking them you know who's the hero who's the villain how is this person characterized uh all of those kinds of things uh, and then as we you know we, we, we uh as they get older we're able to just kind of do that afterwards you know sit down and, and discuss a movie afterwards well we're just always trying to help them analyze the content yeah and this is something that um i tried to um tried to do in my last live stream here on youtube just on i'm already forgetting i think it was on friday uh and tried to kind of model is that i watched the new series on youtube one of the youtube originals the age of ai where it talks about artificial intelligence how far is too far and i watched it and immediately began to see my goodness there's so many ideas being presented that you are your data uh not you are a, a an image bearer of god and and what would be the implications if we could clone a digital view, uh, d- you know uh, um, have a digital version of ourselves and and what this would mean for us as well as then getting into kind of the medical aspect of prosthetic limbs and so I tried to kind of model what you're saying here uh, and I took about 30 minutes or so and I worked through the first episode of the Age of AI and tried to show here's how here's some questions to think about here's the worldviews that are being presented here's why what they're saying makes sense from a secular worldview and so uh, that. That would be something definitely to think about or to check out is that last live stream, uh, kind of the model on how to do that. And again, as Brett's talking here of doing that with your with your students. Now, I, I'm thinking also just of as you're kind of talking about that, that content, and, and I think it's so good to ask those questions, um, because how many times, I mean, do, do students actually sit down and have those thoughts of who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy? How have I been influenced by this? How have tech, how have screens changed my friends? How does it change our interaction that we have at lunch when we're at school? I know at my school, and I was going to mention this earlier, but just when talking about screen-free zones, we, we can't just say put your phone in your backpack or keep your phone in your pocket. They, they don't have sometimes that control to keep it there. And so in most of the classrooms at my school, we literally take the phone away from them. They have to turn it in. I have a holder at the front of my classroom. They have to turn their phone in at the beginning of the class and pick it up at the end of the class uh, because sometimes we don't have that control. And even myself, I will take it out of my pocket and put it in my desk when I teach because even if it's on vibrate, it vibrates in my pocket in the middle of teaching. I go, what, who, what was that? Who's texting me? What, what, what's going on? And I am immediately distracted. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I mean, a question just came in um, on the live broadcast here from Faith uh, from Fact Channel. Let's see if I can throw it up. Oh, that's pretty small. Let's drag it over here and make it a little bit bigger. Um, how do, can we use technology and social media? How can it best be utilized for the advancement of the kingdom? And how can youth be encouraged to use it for God? Yeah, I think it's a great question. Um, and I think that's the flip side of this. Now, I think uh, when we're talking about kids, it seems to me that the first step is protection. And so that's what we've talked a lot about here, I, I think, in this uh, the video, is protection. Because I'm trying to offer them, uh, offer my kids protection so that within that protection, they can develop habits, yeah. good habits, strength of character. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, there's no amount of rules that are going to cover everything. You just can't. Uh, I mean, with all the, the, the changing technology, with all the different platforms, uh, there's just no amount of rules that will keep your kid entirely safe. And so what we also have to focus on is their virtue and their character, their inner person, and develop that. Once we've done that protection, once we've given them that protection, then I think we start talking also about, okay, how do I use this now to advance the kingdom of God, to, to, to do good things? So, for instance, here would just be a real practical way is just taking those three categories of truth, goodness, and beauty and then applying it to something like social media. Okay, uh, every time you post something, uh, I want you to think about why you're posting that particular thing. Is it simply for the purposes of self-display, right? And so it might uh, lean towards kind of the vice of vainglory that we see in the scriptures? Uh, are you posting it to encourage others? Are you posting it as just an update about uh, life? And there's some value in that in terms of just uh, you know friendships and, and being personable and, and people being invested in each other's lives. I think those are, are, are good things. But so I think one thing that we can do is just help them to think through, help our kids to think through why they post what they post and to think about that question before they actually post and to also say hey um uh maybe before you post uh check in with me and say hey mom dad what do you think about this post and get some other eyes on it or if you've got a good friend or a youth pastor or a youth leader or whatever you know have some accountability with them hey what do you think about this post um and think about how can i communicate or promote the true and the good and the beautiful through my Instagram feed or through whatever social media platforms I'm using. Uh, and how do I, how do I publicly identify myself as a follower of Jesus through this uh, without doing it in a way that, you know, maybe turns people off. Of course, I, I realize that, you know, you're not always going to be able to control that, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Where you're not, it's not, um, uh, it's just done in a winsome way, yeah. uh, or it's done with intelligence, um, and just helping our young people to think through that. Like a great question to to, to ask our young people is is and, and a great exercise is to say, hey, every six months or every year, let's just go through um, a year's worth of social media posts on a particular platform, and let's go through it together, and let's see what does it communicate. Like if I just look through your social media feed, what would this tell me about you, your values, your life, what's important, all of that good stuff. And so if it, if ever, you know, everything you're posting is a kind of a selfie about you 
and it seems to communicate some self-centeredness or selfishness, well then, all right, let's reset. How do we then figure out how we communicate the true, the good, and the beautiful through this? Yeah. And, um, so I think there probably has to be some evaluation and then some coaching and mentoring on how to use this for, uh, for, for good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think there's all kinds of ideas and I, yeah, and absolutely. I would love to see us also talk about with our kids, those kind of ideas where we're advancing goodness as well, but there has to be some self-control that's at play, I think as a foundation for that. Yeah. And I think that's an important to kind of point out and, and it's, I want to bring it up sooner. And I talk about it in my talk when it comes to entertainment is that even from the parent perspective, shifting is you talk a lot about the true, the good and the beautiful. And that's one thing that Maven is founded on is knowing truth, pursuing goodness and creating beauty. Uh, but we often, when it comes to entertainment, movies, music, we kind of have this line approach where you have the secular and the Christian, you have, you know, cursing and not cursing, and you have these ideas of what you've kind of considered bad. And as long as it has one of these things, it's considered bad. And as long as it doesn't have these things, it's considered good. And we kind of draw that line versus what it sounds like you're saying is a little bit different rather than the line approach, the secular, the Christian, the good, the bad. Uh, maybe those things aren't necessarily off limits just because it contains something, but maybe more pursuing it from reflecting, having those questions and helping students think more critically about what is true, good, and beautiful. Yeah. Sometimes there are clear lines, uh, but we're not just about line keeping, yeah. right? We're not just about rule following. We're actually about a direction. I want my young person's life to go in a certain direction where they're not just asking the question, okay, what's the line that I can get up to? I want to get up to that line. <laughs> that's, and, all, that's the question I always ask. How close can I get? Yeah, exactly. And it, 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 that's the wrong thinking about these things. There's, I want to become a particular kind of person. I want my kids to become particular kind of men and women, men of goodness and virtue and character and all of those things. And so the line question is the wrong question to start with. Now, it doesn't mean that there aren't clear lines, but uh, we want to go deeper than that. Yeah. And so that, and then, and then out of that, out, and this is why, again, there's no amount of rules that you can lay down that are going to be necessary and sufficient um, you've got to you, you've got to focus on who they're becoming, and then from that, hopefully, will will flow out of that the the desire to do good through even something like social media yeah. to consider putting out true the truth on social media platforms and using those things for 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 goodness. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, as we kind of wrap up, I know that, uh, you know, I wanted to discuss this topic with you, not only because is this just a massively, I think, pressing issue in our culture and how we uh, have to talk with students and talk with our kids as everywhere they go, there are screens and they're just consumed and, and surrounded by this, but also to think biblically, think worldviewly about the issues of the social media, the entertainment that we soak in. And I know that this is going to be the topic of the next parent Maven Parent Conference. Uh, you can find out more on mavenconferences.com. Can you tell us a little bit about this upcoming conference here as, uh, in February, right? Yeah, it's in February. And let me say this. It's not actually a Maven Parent Conference because we don't want to limit it to just parents. Got it. It's really it's our Maven Adult Conference. And the idea is that if you are working with kids anywhere from the ages of 0 to 18, then this, is the, this conference is for you. So that includes parents. That includes grandparents. That includes Christian educators like you, Ryan. That includes youth pastors and volunteer youth workers. It includes children's ministry workers. It includes homeschoolers. 
anyone who's working with kids zero to 18, this is a conference to help equip you to help disciple kids better in whatever role you have in their lives. And so if you go to mavenconferences.com, you'll find all the information there. Our focus this year is helping our kids navigate a world of screens. I mean, let me just say this. I actually think technology is probably a greater threat to the faith of our kids than atheism right now. Um, you know, we, uh, of course, our kids need to be able to answer atheism. They need good apologetics. But man, technology is omnipresent. I'm seeing kids walking around with their heads down all the time. It's causing them not to even think or care to think about life's biggest issues. It's creating this kind of whateverism in there, in, yeah. in their hearts and souls. And so you ask them about worldview issues, you ask them about apologetic questions. So many kids have been so uh, just desensitized by technology. They've been so lulled to sleep. They've been taught how not to think. They've become so distracted that they're just like, eh, whatever. I want to go back to my social media. Yeah. Platform. Yeah. And so technology may be a, a, a big, maybe the, one of the biggest challenges to the faith of our young people and wow. we need to address it and those of us who, who who think about worldview need to help equip the church with a worldview approach that is also very practical and helpful to navigate these kind of issues yeah. Well, thank you so much for listening to this interview. I hope it was practical and helpful for you. Some of it had to be cut out as we went over time with some listener questions, but head over to YouTube, search Practical Tools to Guide You in This Digital Age, and you can see the whole interview there. Have a blessed week, an awesome rest of your day. Make sure you connect on social media. Sip coffee, think deeply. This is Coffeehouse Questions with Ryan Pauly. I'm not